Well, hello, Mountain. It is so good uh, to be with you today. My name is Ethan Magnus, one of the pastors here, and glad you're here with us. If you're a guest here with us today, special welcome to you. I want to say hello also to our friends over at Edgewood and Bel Air. Glad you're with us today. We're wrapping up the Torn series today. We're talking, we have been talking in this series about all the ways that our lives are torn. Uh, torn hearts, torn dreams, torn sexuality, torn families. Uh, it's, it's been a hard series. This isn't the kind of stuff that we normally, I think, like to talk about. It doesn't come easily, uh, but it's pretty important. Along the way, we've learned a lot of stuff. Two things have kind of really stood out to me that we've learned throughout this series. Uh, the first thing we've learned is that all of us are torn. We say around here that we practice Me Too theology. You struggle? Me too. You've got baggage? Me too. You've got questions? Me too. You've got doubts and fears about God? Me too. You're torn because of what people have done to you? You're torn because of what you've done? Yeah, me too. So we've learned that all of us are torn. The other thing that I think we've learned is that being torn hurts. I was down at the ocean this summer about two months ago, and I took a wave wrong and landed badly on the beach. And still, if I raise my arm above about here, it just, it just hurts. Something's torn in there. Torn muscles, torn joints, torn ligaments. Have you ever torn a toenail? Oh my goodness, a toenail. That hurts like crazy. And yet it's not just that kind of pain. Torn hearts hurt. Torn sexuality hurts. Torn families hurt. There's a special kind of agony associated with all these ways our lives can be torn. This last week, though, I want to explore something else, though. It turns out that in addition to all that pain, the greatest potential risk from all the ways that we're torn is that the ways that we are torn in life might also tear us. From God. It can happen in everything we've discussed in this series. Our torn sexuality leads to secrets and it leads to shame. And we start to hide even from God and we're torn from God by that. Our torn families, it, it messes up what we think it means to be a child. It messes up what we think the love, the parental love of God is like. And so we're torn from God. Torn hearts about what we hoped for the future. Torn dreams about what we thought our life would be. The world itself just tears at us and we begin to mistrust God and to doubt God and it tears us from God. So if we're going to have a conversation about all the ways that our lives are torn, we can't leave out what we're going to talk about today, which is that we can be torn from God. Some of you here today are torn from God. And if we're going to have that conversation, well, the good news is God wants to be part of that conversation. I'm so grateful for a story Jesus told. I'm so grateful that the author Luke wrote it down and that now it's in our Bible because this story Jesus told is precisely about how when we get torn by life, it can tear us from God. 
If you have a Bible with, it, with you, you can look at Luke chapter 15, or maybe you've got it on a tablet or your phone or something like that. If you don't have a Bible, at the end of the service, come to MI5. We would love to give you a Bible. We want everybody to own one. Luke chapter 15, the context of the story is this. It says, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them? That's how Jesus rolled. He welcomed sinners and ate with them. And so we have here two groups of people listening to Jesus' story. The first group, the group Jesus was hanging out with, those are the people who are torn and everybody knows it. They were torn inside themselves, but they were also torn from society. They were torn from proper company. They were on the outskirts, and they were the outcasts. And the other group of people, well, they were torn, of course. Everybody's torn. But they hid it so well. They acted like tornness was somebody else's problem, but they had everything together. And it's to these two groups of people that Jesus tells these important stories. And we're just going to look at one. In fact, it's a story about these two groups of people. And as you'll see, it's a story about us. It starts off, Jesus introduces the characters. Verse 11, there was a man who had two sons. Now I'll pause there for a second just to make sure we understand what's going on here. Because when Jesus begins the story this way, everybody listening would have known that he's just said something significant. To be the child of a wealthy landowner, and we'll discover this man is a wealthy landowner, that was a significant status in that culture. A status that the sinners and the outcasts Jesus was, was with could have never hoped for in their life. You see, if you were the son of a father, well, that meant you had property. Because you were set to inherit all that belonged to the father. If you were a daughter, you had property. Because some part of your father's wealth would be your dowry and would go with you when you started your new family. If you were a child of the father, you had a place where you belonged around the table with your family. Now the hired hands, in a good month, might get paid well. In a bad month, would get laid off. But not the children. The children were always welcome. And if you were a child of the father, you didn't just have property and place. You had power. You could, with your father's signet ring, you could go into town and do business on his behalf. And around the home, you were in charge of the servants and the hired workers on the farm. All of this was the status of a son or daughter of the father. And that's what Je- how Jesus starts his story. Can I tell you something amazing? That's how your story starts too. You are a son or daughter of the father. The philosophies of the world have a lot of different ideas about the worth and value of people. Some say that humanity is worthless and evil. Some say that it's perfect. The philosophy of our day teaches that we are nothing more than biological machines with no purpose and meaning beyond our sheer survival. But not the Bible. 
The Bible is clear that even though humanity is torn, the story didn't start that way. Scripture says that we were handcrafted by God. We were made in God's image. Here's how Paul puts it when he's teaching in Athens. He says, God gives life and breath to everything. For in him we live and move and have our being. We are his offspring. And we can never let ourselves forget that that's the way the story starts. On the way in, I hope you got one of these cards. We tried to give one to everybody. If you didn't get one, I've got some friends that even now are going to be walking around with a stack of them. we got tons of them. You're going to want one today. I hope everybody would get one. Just raise your hand up, wave it around. Somebody's going to find you with a card. They're coming right now. Uh, we got lots. You're going to want one. What I want you to do with it, if you would, is find a pen, rifle through your neighbor's pocketbook, I mean, I mean your pocketbook, or look in the back of the seats in front of you. And right there, under where it says God's beloved, in great big letters, write the word daughter or the word son. Great big letters. Because we need to be reminded how our story starts. We are his offspring, created image bearers of God. Right there, God's beloved son, God's beloved daughter. Write it big. Fill all that white space because that is who you are. So this story, it's sort of about us. And here's how it continues. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so the father divided his property between them. Now again, it seems so simple. A kid asks his dad for money. What's so weird about that? Some of you are saying that happened to me three times this morning, right? A kid asks me for money every time I turn around. What's so weird about that? But this isn't just any kid asking for any money. He's asking for his inheritance. And you get your inheritance when your father dies. What the son is saying here is, Dad, I wish you were dead. I'd rather have your cash than your company, Dad. I'd rather have your loot than your love. This relationship we have doesn't mean that much to me. This farm that we've got, I'll take my half now, cash out, while the getting's good. The people listening to Jesus that day, their jaws would have been on the floor that any son would say anything like that. And if their jaws could have gone any lower, it would have happened when the father says, okay. Jesus continues the story. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him out into the field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And now our beloved son is in a bad way. What else could you say about what has happened to his life than to say that it's been torn, torn by his greed and his pride, 
torn by riches and now torn by poverty. Torn from his father. Everything about it. There he sits in the pigsty. His life torn. His heart torn. His hopes torn. His family torn. If his brother is right, even his sexuality has been torn. We could have based this whole sermon series just on his list of problems. But we didn't, of course. We based it on our list of problems. Because his list is our list. We are beloved sons and daughters. Yes. But there's more to the story, isn't there? take a look at the card again some of you have already read it down there at the bottom you see there's some white space where we wish there wasn't we wish it was all filled in but there's space there for any who are willing to be honest with themselves would you pick up the pen again and write what is true there but i have been torn by what needs to go there is it abuse Is it broken dreams? Is it lust? Is it anger? Is it striving after perfection? Is it doubt? Is it fear? It may not be as clear-cut as it was in the story Jesus told. You may never have told your father, I wish you were dead. But you might have. Some of us have. Some of us have felt that torn in our families or in ourselves or in our relationships. We have this card and both of these things are true. We are God's beloved child, but we have been torn. Will you write something true today? Will you write something true? Can we just be honest? I promise the thing you're afraid to write, a hundred people in this room could say, me too, me too. What do you need to write down? Lies? Addiction? Disappointment? Failure? What do you need to write down? Things that you've done. Things that have been done to you. We've been torn. And when we come face to face with what is truly written on the bottom half of this card. It begins to affect how we see the top half. It begins to blind us to the truth of the top half. Maybe that's what's happened to us. We've been torn by the cruel actions of other people and by the evil of this world, and we start to say to ourselves, you don't understand. If God let that happen to me, then God does not love me. Or God is not God. Or maybe it's our own sin, our own tornness, and we say to ourselves and we say to others, you don't understand, with all that I have done, if God ever loved me, maybe, but not now, not anymore. It couldn't still be true. Or maybe nobody even ever told you that you were the beloved child of God. And all you know are the ways that you are torn either way we lose sight of our belovedness it becomes hidden to us could you do that with me right there on that line just fold it over 
Because that's what happens in life. That's what happens when every voice around us tells us how torn we are. All we can see is the bottom half. Every magazine tells us about a perfect life that we can never live up to. Every failure reinforces the refrain that your tornness is who you really are. Your guilt presses down and your past speaks with a voice louder than you can bear that it is your tornness that is the sum total of your identity. You may want to remember the top half of the card, but you forget because every voice around you says, look at that bottom half. And over time, it's like you when you run your nail across the crease. It gets folded down hard. Go ahead, do it. Fold it down hard. That's what life does. So the back half never pops up, and all we can see is how torn we are. And nobody wants to live like that. Being honest about our failings is hard work. Being honest about how others have failed us is even worse. Some days we don't want to face how torn we are. We don't want to admit the truth to ourselves. And we definitely, we definitely don't want anybody else to know. Can I tell you a secret? This is a little silly. There were some things I didn't write down on the bottom half of my card on the off chance that when I hold it up like this, you can read it on the camera. And there are some things you didn't write down on the bottom half of your card because the worst thing in the world would be that somebody else, maybe the person sitting next to you, would discover just how torn your life really is. And over time, we figure out, you stare at this long enough and you figure out there's another way. I'll teach you the secret right here. It's not complicated. You just take your finger right here, and you go like that. You can do it. Go ahead. Crease it down nice and tight so it won't pop open. Look at that. Oh, isn't that pretty? Look at that. And now I'm, I know, I know you can't read the part about how I'm God's beloved son. I know that. But you also can't, you can't see where I'm torn either. Uh, isn't that nice? Now that's the way to do it, isn't it? Just live, just live a shiny life. That's what we do, right? We just live a life that's nice and shiny. We don't want to see our tornness. We don't want you, I don't want you to see my tornness. I definitely don't want God to see my tornness. And so we just put the clean side out. We stop living out of our real self, the self that God loves and the self that has been torn, and we start living our shiny self. We do whatever it takes to make our shiny side look as clean and polished as it can. It's just a survival mechanism, right? You act like the perfect kid so your parents will be pleased. You achieve in school or in business to make up for all those other areas of life where you feel torn and broken Families, we do this, shiny side out kids, right? We fight all the way to church. As soon as the car door opens, put your smiles on kids, put your shiny side out. Everything's fine at home, no, there's no problem. We don't need any help, nothing to see here. Everybody move on. You think I don't do this? I'm a pastor for goodness sakes. I gotta stand up in front of people. I need you all to respect me. Better put my shiny side out. Put the game face on, I'm going to church. Nobody's torn here. 
Everything's just fine. Don't look inside the fold. I'll be honest. I know how to live my shiny side. I'm good at it. I know how to keep what's torn, creased, uptight, to smile even when I'm sad, to pretend to have it all together, and so do you. I was so sad when Robin Williams died. I loved Robin Williams as a kid. I was so into his stuff. I thought he was the funniest thing ever. Mork and Mindy made me laugh and laugh. That was good stuff. I read some articles about his lifelong struggle with depression. In one of the interview, he told a story about how when he was a kid, he just learned. Then when he told the truth about all the dark junk in his life, nobody liked it. But when he cracked jokes, everybody liked that. So he just did that. He just lived out of the shiny side. And you do it too. It may not be comedy, but it's something. We church folk, we're the worst at this. When other people call Christians hypocrites, it's not because we don't live up to what we believe. Nobody lives up to what they believe. It's because we act like we've got it all together. There's nothing torn about us. We live out of our shiny side, and all we do is see the tornness in other people. I don't know what your shiny self is, but I know that somehow you, like me, you've figured out some way to make yourself look good to other people. The thing is, we don't feel like we can live with that, the bottom half of the card. And we don't really believe that. And so this seems like a pretty smart way to make it through life. And the shiny life, the promise of the shiny life is that it works. People will like you better at parties if you just live your fake self. You might get that promotion easier if you just live your fake self. But the agony of the shiny life is so much greater. I want to be really straight with you. If you are still living out of the shiny life, you need to know something. As long as you live your shiny fake life, you can never, ever be loved. You might have already been figuring this out. You can never love yourself because you know that you're a fraud. You can never genuinely be loved by someone else because you spend your whole life in fear. What if they found out how torn I really am? Some of us right now are in relationships that we built on the shiny side of life and we are agonizingly terrified that they might ever peek under and see the tornness. Because what would they think? Would they still love me if they knew? How many nights of sleep have been lost with that question alone? And as long as we live out of the shiny side, we can never really experience God's love for us either. Because God loves the real you. God loves the torn you. That is the beloved child that God made and wants to restore. Not the fake you. Not the one you invented. And even even more than all that, more than the agony that as long as we live out of the shiny self, we can never experience love. It's just so crazy, exhausting. 
keeping the shiny side polished enough, keeping the the torn stuff stuffed down deep and hidden, it wears you out. Because it's all still there. Go ahead. Take a look. Open it back up. This is not some David Blaine mass magic trick. It's all still there. All that torn stuff of our life is still there. You can ignore it and hope it's going away, but it isn't. It's the shiny side that doesn't last. The torn stuff seems to stick around. And when the day comes that you once again face the tornness of your life, when the card slipped open and that's all you can see, and you start to wonder if this is all the identity you have left, then you want to know how this story ends. So pay attention. Because something wonderful is about to happen. Jesus says, when the son came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. Now remember, this is someone who has tried all the things we've tried. Remember, he left his father, tried to leave his tornness behind, and he went off to the shiny city to live his shiny life. And now he finds himself staring again at the bottom half of the card, thinking to himself, I could never recover the identity I once had. I'd be better off with my father, but there's no way that part about me being a son could ever be true again. So he prepares a speech. And his speech is basically the litany of all the ways that he has been torn. He's staring at the bottom half of his card as he walks back to his father. Just staring at all that it says, rehearsing his speech as he approaches his father. But I want to tell you a miraculous secret. Look down for a second at just the bottom half of your card. Keep it creased and folded over. Look down at it. And when you stare at the bottom half of your card, as you walk toward your father, as you stare at the bottom half, and that's all you can still see, remember, this is what God sees as you walk toward him. Here's how it happened. So the son got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion and ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The father who had watched his child disappear over the horizon, tearing apart every relationship they had left, now waits and watches the horizon still, desperately longing for him to return. And when he does, 
wraps his arms around him. For the father can still see what is still true, that the core identity of that son is still maintained by the love of the father. The son, looking at the bottom half of his card, says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father says, son, spare me the speech. I know all of that is true. I know what the bottom half of your card says. But this is what I see. I know the whole story. You are my beloved child. Quick, bring the best robe. For you are my son. My property is yours. Quick, bring a ring and place it on his finger. For you are my son and my authority is yours. Quick, go find a cow and kill it and cook it. For we're about to have a feast For you are my son, and my table is where you belong. You were dead and are alive. You are lost and are found. And right about now, everybody listening to Jesus would have understood. This is not some story about some random family. This is the story about all of creation. This is the story about all the sons and daughters of our Father in heaven who have been torn away by choices they've made and choices others have made, who've been torn away by the evil of our world and wonder if the ways they've been torn might tear them from God forever. And Jesus tells this parable so that we would know. That God's mercy is for the torn. God's mercy is for the torn. I don't know what you've heard about God. I don't know what people have told you about God. But I know what Jesus said about God. Jesus says, I didn't come for healthy people. He might have added, I haven't met any. I came for sick people. Because God's mercy is for the torn. Paul says it this way, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, when all we could see was the bottom half of the card, when all we knew was true about us was the bottom half of the card, that's when Christ died for us. And just like that son, we come before God with our speech prepared. We're so aware of all the reasons we could never be a daughter ever again. We could never be a son ever again. Maybe we could just get made a servant. Maybe all you can see today is the bottom half. Maybe it's overrun your identity. Maybe you don't believe the top half ever was true or ever could be true. But this is what God's Word says. Look. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That is what we are. That is what we are. I want to just quickly, I want you to meet some people who have walked the journey that son walked. They had some pretty marked up and folded cards. When they met God, they had their speech pretty well prepared and their long list of reasons why they could never be a child of God again. But their speech got interrupted by the Father who embraced them. These 
are their stories. beloved son. The bottom half of the card does not define you. And the shiny side does not help you. 
the bottom half of the card is a half truth. And the shiny side, it's a whole lie. All of our false self striving to look all perfect. Turns out it's all a waste of time. What needs to happen is the real us, all of us, needs to meet with the real God and let the real God heal us and submit to the real God's love. The beauty of the good news is not that God loves ex-prostitutes. It's that God loves prostitutes. It's not that God loves former gossips and recovering liars. It's that God loves gossips and God loves liars. It's not that God loves ex-legalists and past hedonists. It's that God loves legalists and God loves hedonists. It's not that God loves people who used to be drunk. It's that God loves people who are drunk or people who used to lose their temper. But God loves people in the midst of their rage. It's not that God loves former sinners and cleaned up sinners. The gospel is that God loves sinners. It's that God loves me. God knows everything on here and all the stuff I was too chicken to write and God loves me and God loves you and God wants to meet you in your tornness. Don't come to God apart from your tornness. You don't go to the hospital only when you're well. You don't go to the doctor and not tell them where it hurts. Don't come to church and pretend you're not torn. It is in your tornness that God longs to meet you and heal you. That's where the sun got met, out on the road where it all went bad to begin with. Alone, he was met with family, and penniless, he was met with a robe, and powerless, he was met with a ring, and starving, he was met with a feast, and torn from his father, he was met with his father's embrace. When you look at the bottom half of your card, there is a choice. It will either draw you to God, or it will tear you from God. But while you're trying to decide what to do with the tornness of your life, God's decision has been made. God is waiting and is watching the horizon, loving you the whole time. Because God has never forgotten who he created you to be. God's decision has already been made when Christ came and died for us. God intended to invite you to a feast and that feast is here today, and everyone who would say yes to Christ is invited as a son and daughter to share in it. It is the feast of Christ's death and his resurrection. It's communion. We share in it every week, and we'll share in it today because this is the invitation for those of us who are torn, who long to be reminded and restored that we are children of God. We'll share in the meal together in just a minute. It will be a little different than we normally do. Ushers will come and invite you row by row. And there are tables up here, like the table the sun got invited to that wonderful day. And as you come up, you'll come 
and all who are trusting Christ with their tornness and to lead them into Christ's salvation are invited to share in the bread and the juice and then return to your seats by the opposite aisle. And when you come, bring your cards with you, would you? Because God wants to meet it, meet you. And if you would let him, God wants to bear the tornness of your life just like the Father did for the Son. Because you are God's child. When you get up here, you'll see there are some metal buckets on the table. And I want to invite you to just right there on the fold, just tear your card in half. And as a symbol of what God wants to do for you, I want you to just leave it in one of the buckets. It's not a magic trick. It won't instantly make everything about your life untorn. The great physician will still have work to do in your life, but it will do two things. It will remind you that God is with you precisely in the places where you are torn. And it will be a testament to the promise that one day everything about you that is torn will be healed at the hands of God. And all that will remain are scars that are a testament of praise to the healing power of our Father. And what you'll walk away with is just this. Just three words that say the truest thing about you that could ever be said. Some of you still think the bottom half of the card is the truest thing about you that could be said, but it's not. It is but a mist passing in an instant. The true thing about you, the thing that will last if you will just turn yourself to Christ, is that you are God's beloved daughter. You are God's beloved son. And your father, will bear all that is torn and will restore you to the place at the table that has been held in readiness for you since the foundation of the earth. Let's pray together. Oh God, we are torn. So many lying voices would tell us that we are torn so far as to be torn from you. And yet one voice of truth rings out louder than all the others. And that is the voice of your son Christ, who has been torn for our sake, that by his mercy we might be restored to you. I pray for all of us today, God, that many would today let themselves be restored to you and that all of us would know who you know us to be, your beloved sons and daughters. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As the ushers direct you, come and receive your place at the table of your Father.